So a few weeks ago, we kicked off this new series called A Masterpiece in Progress. And for the last two weeks, we've been focusing on whatever is noble, whatever is noble. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul lays out a list of godly characteristics, and he wants us to follow those. He said, I want you to think about those. This morning, we're going to move on to Paul's first challenge. And Paul says, I want you to think about whatever is true, whatever is true. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul writes this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, just let me read that again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anxiety, anxiety comes from thoughts that are in direct opposition to the, to the trust that we should have in Jesus Christ. I want, you to, I want you to think about this. In verse 7, we are told that, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds if we pray instead of fear. If we live a life of prayer instead of a life of fear, God's peace will come into our lives. Even during a time such as this, in 2020, God's peace will invade our lives will help us overcome the anxiety that so many of us feel in situations like we're facing right now. So in verse 7, we're told that the peace of God will guard our hearts, will guard our minds if we are living out his word, if we are living out a life of prayer instead of a life of fear. Now, notice how we achieve this peace. Notice how we achieve this, this, the ability to overcome our anxiety. I don't want you to miss this, all right? He lays it out in verses 6 and 7. He says, here's how you get the peace of God. Here's how you overcome your anxiety. Verse 8 is his answer. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if anything is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, he says, think about such things. That's the answer to the question. How do I overcome my anxiety? How do I get this peace in my life that comes from God through the Holy Spirit, through Christ? How do I get that? Think about such things. Right thoughts. Right thoughts. Real transformation. I was talking to someone after the first service, after actually a second service now, because we have 8.30 and then 9.30 and 11, but after the 9.30 service, and he said, man, I, that, that's something I'm working on, anxiety. I need to overcome my anxiety. I said, it can be done. It can be done. You can overcome the things you're struggling with. Right thoughts lead to real transformation in our lives. That's why we're taking this entire summer and we're studying one verse. One verse. And God can impact our lives with one verse. For us to overcome the challenges we face in life. For us to honestly, to understand life 
every thought we have needs to start with God's truth. The foundation of our lives needs to be God's word. You know, I say that, and I know I say it all the time, and it's like, yeah, in one way, out the other sometimes, but let me explain something to you. You will not achieve anything we're talking about if this is not the foundation of your life. God's word needs to be the foundation of your every thought. We're talking about whatever is true. How do you know what's true if you don't know the word of God? I know, I know people sometimes, even within church, push back on some of the things that I'm saying, but I really want to challenge you this morning. If there's something that I say this morning that you're like, no, nah, I'm not really sure I agree with that. Don't, it, you cannot leave it there. Prove me wrong by the word of God. I used to have a teacher at Nyack, and he'd say, you can argue with me all you want, just back it up with scripture. If you can't back it up with scripture, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what your Sunday school teacher taught you. I don't want to hear what your pastor said. I don't want to hear what you think. I don't want to hear. I want you to be able to back it up with the word of God. You can't speak in my class. And so I want to, I'm going to encourage you this morning. If you feel uncomfortable by what I'm saying, don't just be like, well, that's his opinion. It's not my opinion. If you disagree, make sure that you go back and you say, well, I'm going to point it out here in Scripture and kind of sit down with Pastor Jeff and have the discussion because I want to be able to show him within the Word of God where I think what he's saying is not totally accurate here. Otherwise, don't just, I'm telling you, don't just say, well, I'm not really sure I disagree. Well, it's his perspective. It's not my perspective. All right? This is important. The Word of God is our foundation. Tr my truth is based upon God's Word. When things come into my mind, I decide whether they're true or not based upon the discernment in my mind is based upon the Word of God. What does God's Word say? Well, I feel this. I think that. That's fine. That's, it's nice that you think and feel those things. For me, too. But what does God's Word say? That's how we base our truth. In 2 Corinthians Chapter 10, verse 5, it says this. We demolish arguments. We demolish arguments in every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is so important. We demolish arguments in every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Where does the knowledge of God come from? The word of God. So we are, it's a, it's a pushback. For See, for Paul, this was a spiritual war for the minds of people. We need to understand that. He understood that they were surrounded, and today they didn't face anything near what we face today. He, but Paul understood they were surrounded by different philosophies and ideas and, and false teaching and all this thing. So Paul says, this is a battle for the mind of individuals because how we think matters. It transforms our lives. So Paul is seeing this as a spiritual battle. And he's saying, you need to know God's truth. You, need to know, you have to have a knowledge of God and you need to push back on anything that is not true. And how do we know what's not true? We know the word and it is in conflict with the word of God. That makes it untrue. So Paul says this is a battle for the mind. What he's saying in this verse in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, what he's saying is wrong teaching leads to wrong thinking. Wrong thinking leads to disobedience to Christ. And disobedience to Jesus Christ will lead to a, a, a fearful, uh, 
basic self-centered, if you will, but stressful and anxious life. If you have wrong, if the wrong thoughts are coming in, if the teaching is wrong, then your thoughts will be wrong. You'll be disobedient to Jesus Christ, and the disobedience to Christ will lead you to a very, a very fearful, a very stressful, a very anxious life. The, cl- the more you know the word and the more you're standing on, firmly standing on God's word, the less stressed you will be, the less anxiety you will have. The more you have that eternal perspective and understand God's truth and how this world truly works, the less anxious you are in your life. Having a true knowledge of God leads to clear thinking. Having a true knowledge of God leads to, leads to right thinking, which leads to obedience to Christ, which leads to making positive right choices in your life, which leads to a blessed life. It's as simple as that. I watch people all the time. Well, I feel, I feel, the, word, the, the phrase I feel or I think gets people into so much trouble. I appreciate, I mean this sincerely, I appreciate what you feel. I sometimes get a little too worked up and I'm like, I don't care what you feel. I do care what you feel. Your feelings are wrong sometimes and so are mine. I mean, I mean how many times do you get yourself in trouble in conversations or arguments with your spouse or somebody else or because you feel something and you say what you feel. I just say what I feel. How's that work for you? Right? It doesn't. It doesn't work for you. So God cares about what you feel, but he's more concerned about what is true. What's true? The Bible's clear that if we don't discipline our minds, it will lead us to absolute ruin. We need to discipline our minds. We need to focus our minds. We need to be intentional. Paul wants us to be intentional because if we're not, we will, our minds will lead us to ruin. And you all know 50 people, I could walk you up here one after another and you could tell stories about people who fall into that category. No discipline of mind, no focus of mind, no understanding of perspective, feelings, desires, all that kind of thing. That's what drives their lives, and their lives are absolutely miserable. Our country right now is in chaos because people's opinions, perspectives, ideas, desires, agendas, feelings dominate the public debate. That's what dominates the public debate. It's a massive emotions almost. And how you feel, my agenda, my ideas, my perspective, my opinions. People's loyalties in this culture, people's loyalties, their convictions, even their truth is as strong as the next news cycle. It's like you're, you're, you know, one, one moment you're thinking this. Oh, this is, oh, this, oh, now I understand. And then something else comes on. Oh, oh no, I changed my, oh, uh, 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 uh. That's what's happening. People, no conviction. Truth is whatever kind of, it's like, you know, it, we live in a double-minded culture whose opinions and perspectives change like a rowboat without oars in a windstorm in the middle of the ocean. You know what I mean? It just changes constantly. Whatever the way the wind is blowing, that's the way our culture thinks. And you change your perspective, change your feelings, change your ideas, all... But when your truth is your truth because you believe it and my truth is my truth because I believe it, that's what we're left with. But when the word of God is your truth, 
When the word of God is your foundation for truth, it's like putting an anchor on your boat in that storm. You have an anchor. You, you have something you're holding on to the truth of God's word. I said a couple of weeks ago, I don't have opinions on moral issues for the most part. Okay? My opinions are the opinions that are right here in the word of God. What do you think about? Let me, let me see. What do I think about? I think this is what I think. What do you think about such and such a so-and-so? Well, this is what I think about such and such and so-and-so. I was joking. I said, if you want my opinion on how to catch a big catfish, I said, take a piece of chicken, you know, marinated in some uh, Kool-Aid, some, uh, some Kool-Aid like, I don't know, purple Kool-Aid or strawberry Kool-Aid. Someone actually took that, went fishing, caught a nice fish on some piece of chicken with some Kool-Aid mixed in there. So it works, see? That's my opinion. You may go fishing and find you catch nothing. And you're like, Pastor Jeff, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Because it was my opinion. When it comes to truth, it's not about opinion. It's not about perspective. What does God's word say? And we, our convictions are, are based upon the truth of God's word. And we're not, we're not just pushed and tossed by whatever new thought comes to mind when we watch CNN or, or Fox News or MSNBC or whatever. Because these are all perspectives. It's amazing now. And this is purposeful, okay? Most of what you read and most of what you hear are, is not true. It's a person's perspective. All right, that, that tree is green. Oh, he said something true. And then off they go. Well, the reason it's green is because, and I think this, and reason not, back when, and how about this? All of a sudden, everything becomes the tree. Yes, the first thing they said was a tree is green. That's true. The rest of it is half-truth and lies. Based upon their perspective, based upon their agenda, and, the, and understand something. This is where, this is where the, the greatest theological misunderstanding in Christianity is the idea that, that this whole, the whole concept of having a sinful nature, we don't understand it. You all don't believe what people are capable of. That's the problem. The ends justify the means. They have an agenda. And I'm not talking... They, they have an agenda and want you to think a certain way. And so they will tell half-truths half and lies to get you to think a certain way. And if they're caught, they don't care because the ends justify the means. The goal is to get you to think this and to get you to this position. And whatever they have to do to get you there, they don't care. You say, well, how could a person lie like that, knowingly lie? And I'm looking at you going, how old are you? Seriously. You're being lied to. How do you know what the truth is? You're, you study, you know God's word. And you look at different, and when people say certain things, it is filtered through the word of God. And you discern with the mind that God has given you through the Holy Spirit what is true and what is not true. So I said, because this whole concept of your truth is your truth because you believe it, my truth is my truth because I believe it, that's what, we're, that's what we're left with. Robbie Zacharias puts it this way. He says we live it, he put it this way, 2020, man, lost a great, such a great man. He said we live in a culture whose feet are firmly planted in midair. We live in a culture 
We exist in a culture right now whose feet are firmly planted in mid-air. And he used this analogy. It's like being in your car and you go and you stop at a light. And you've all had this experience if you've been in a car. You're sitting there and all of a sudden you, you, think you're, you feel like your car is moving. And your brain starts to go, whoa, whoa, we're moving. And you're very quickly, your brain, well, is it the truck next to me that's moving? Is it me that's moving? And so your brain quickly, quickly shifts over to find something that is more stable, a fixed point of reference. So your brain immediately jumps in. Where is a fixed point of reference? And so you find a tree on the side of the road or you find a building. Your brain says, oh, wait, I'm not moving because I can see the tree. I have a fixed point of reference. We, we as believers have a fixed point of reference. It's called the word of God. When we're confused, if we think something's moving, feel like things are all out. I mean, how many of you honestly feel completely out of whack? You don't know what to believe anymore. You don't know what to watch. Every time you read something, you think, oh, I read this, and you find out it's completely not true. And it's so frustrating not be able to sit down and actually have someone tell you something without now questioning what that person is saying is true or not. Our fixed point of reference is the word of God. It is fixed. It is unchanging truth by which everything else in our lives should be measured. There it is. Everything in our lives should be measured by God's word. In Psalm 119 and 160, it says this, the sum of your word is truth. The sum, the sum of your word is truth. There's the truth. I love this verse. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. For this decade, nope. For this millennium, nope. For the next decade, nope forever. What God's word says is true. It doesn't matter how culture shifts. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter how perspectives change. It doesn't matter how morality just kind of all just drifts around. God's word is true. The sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Using Ravi's analogy, it's like it's, it, the, the world today is like people looking out the window of a car, and not only not only is is do you feel like the the the, the, the truck next to you is moving, but the tree's moving, the right the building's moving, and the ground is moving. There's no fixed point of reference. When you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a fixed point of truth. When you're not, it's just basically looking out the window of your car, looking for a point of reference and finding out the tree, the building, the ground, everything is moving. Paul tells us again that we need to be intentional in our minds. We need to be intentional about focusing our minds on what is true. Our thoughts all of our thoughts need to be fixed on the things that, are, that are, are closest to God's nature and God's truth and God's character. We need to fix our minds on those things that reflect the nature of God. And we need to be in the presence of God. We need to stay in the presence of God as much as we possibly can. Because we, I said, think about in Paul's time, they had so many things going on and these, these false teachers and this and philosophies and ideas. Can you, now, you can't get your phone every time you, you can't get away from people's perspectives, ideas, ideologies, whatever it is. It's all around you. 
And how do you, how do you make it through this time? I'm going to tell you, you won't make it through this time without being emotionally a little bit messed up if you don't have a fixed point of reference where you can say, no, this is truth and this is not. This is not. Paul tells us we need to think about such things. Think about such things. Whatever is true, whatever, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if anything is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is where you need to fix your mind on those things and those things that God has taught us. So over the next few weeks, what I want to do is I want to I look at some general principles that are contained in these verses that lead us into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ because if we can do that, right, if we can live this way, we can overcome anxiety, our minds, like we've talked about this, you can heal your mind of those, the, 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 the wounds that have been inflicted upon you over the years, all this thing, play, all this plays together. You can heal your mind. You can understand truth. You can stand strong in the midst of the battle, but you need to understand the different, these general principles that we find in this verse, and they'll draw us closer to Christ. So I'm going to talk about the first one this morning. So principle number one, we need to stand against any thought or any idea that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We need to stand against any thought or any idea that tries to set itself up against the knowledge of God. What does that mean? It means that you need to stand against anything that is not true. You're a follower of Jesus Christ, period. You stand against any philosophy, any, any social view, any political view, anything that goes against God's truth, because God determines what is true or not. Understand, that's my perspective. That's my truth. That is truth. It is God who determines what is true. Not me, not any of you, not any political leaders, not the world. God who determines what is truth. So we need to stand against what is not true. Paul's use of the word true here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 can be applied in many different ways, in, in, in many different positive ways here. And let me share a couple of them. Number one, something can be true instead of false, right? That's pretty basic. Something can be true instead of false. The idea the idea that your truth is your truth because you believe it and my truth is my truth because I believe it is utter muddle-headed nonsense, okay, and is irrational and illogical in the real world. That, that's the best way I can put it. That thought process is irrational, it's illogical. When you, bring, when you bring that thought process into the real world in which you and I have to function every single day, it is complete and utter nonsense. A truth's opposite cannot also be true. This is just fact. A truth's opposite is by definition false. If that's not true, then truth has no meaning. The word truth has no meaning. What's the meaning of truth if a truth's opposite can also be true? There is no me. What does that? What does truth mean? A truth's opposite cannot also be true. A truth's opposite, by definition, is false. So, is something that is not true. 
Okay, if truth is relative, my truth is my truth because I believe it and yours is yours. If truth is relative, stop telling students in school that the answer to their question is wrong. It's their perspective. It's their belief. And I'm going to tell you something. They are so sincere about the fact that what they believe or how they feel they feel, they feel, there's such sincerity in how they feel. So how can you tell them they're wrong? You ask them a question. It wasn't about a date. It was just a, a general question about facts. And they hey, come up with a different answer, and they believe that that's true. How can you mark their paper wrong? You teachers better stop doing that. Just appreciate their truth. Okay, here's the other thing. Stop asking questions stop asking true or false questions on a test true or false so and so blah 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 true and they put true in it but oh sorry you're wrong it's false no ah, wait a second my truth is my truth because i believe it and i believe that's true and you think it's false well we just (laughs) beg to differ i have one for you true or false this picture is a lamb True or false? That's, I, this picture is a lamb. Okay. Kevin, what do you think? I think it's true. When I see that, I, I see a nice, warm, fuzzy, fuzzy lamb. He sees a nice, big, fuzzy, a nice, warm, fuzzy lamb. Okay? So here, here, here's my... Here's, if, if, if Kevin's truth is there, if, if you say your truth tells you that that is a warm, fuzzy lamb, then what I would say to you is you need to bring your truth into reality. A truth, a truth, something that is true needs to reflect reality. So, Kevin, would you be okay if I lowered you down into a pit of hungry lambs? <laughs> right. Okay. All day long, you can say, my truth is my truth because I believe in it. According to Kevin's truth, that's a, that's a fuzzy lamb. So then Kevin wouldn't mind at all in reality because truth has to reflect reality. Kevin wouldn't mind at all if I lowered him into it. Now, he would now. He changes his mind. But he wouldn't mind if I lowered him into a pit of hungry lambs. What can happen? <laughs> they haven't eaten for two weeks. They're kind of grumpy. But oh, you'll be fine, Kevin. Don't worry about it. Okay? You can honestly, guys... Um, I can believe all I want that I can jump off the Sears Tower in Chicago and flap my, flap my arms as hard as I can and I'm going to soar on wings like eagles if I jump off that building. And I believe it. That's my perspective. That's my truth. I believe that if I jump off the Sears Tower, I'm going to fly like a bird. I just have to, I just have to believe until I try it. Until I try it. And then the truth is, my truth, my belief, has to conform to reality. And see, this is the problem. My truth is my truth because I believe it. Oh, is it? Then I'll lower you into a pit of hungry lambs, and we'll go to the Sears Tower, and you can believe all you feel like it, that if you, your truth is, if you jump off that building, you're going to soar like an eagle, when the reality is, the problem is, actual truth needs to reflect reality, not opinion or belief. Second, something can be true instead of crooked. Something can be true instead of crooked. 
when I, when I was uh, growing up, my, my brother and my father lived in Virginia, and so I would go and visit them for the summer, and my father was a contractor, and my brother still is a contractor in Virginia, and I remember the conversations they would have, and they would say this phrase over and over when they were building a house or something like that. My, my father would yell to my brother, Mark, is the wall true? Is the wall true? Meaning, is the wall straight or is the wall level? Okay, when you lay a foundation, the foundation has to be true because you're building on the foundation. When you put up the main structural walls, the main structural walls have to be true, which means they have to be level. They have to be straight. You can't build on something that is not true. You know what I never heard my brother say to my father? My father said, Mark, is the wall true? Well, kind of. It's kind of, I never heard him say, well, dad, it's close, it's close. Okay, just nail it in right there, Mark. Long as it's close, long as it's kind of. Far as you know, dad, I mean, I never heard any of that. Is the wall true? If the answer was no, then you had to make sure you got the wall to a position where it was true. Because you can't build on something that's not true. Because as soon as reality sets in and the winds start to blow and difficulty starts to rain, it's going to come down. That building's going to come crashing down. It matters how you build and what you're building upon. Number three, something can be true instead of uh, erratic or fickle. This is a different way that you can use this, Paul's concept here. Something can be true instead of erratic or something is fickle. And you say, what do you mean by that? All right, so you have, you're here today and you have, you have three or four really people that are around you a lot. You call them friends, okay? But if I sat down with you and I went through your friends, you would say something like, yeah, John, he's a true friend. John is, Courtney is a true friend. Sue is a true friend. You use that word true. They're a true friend. They've been through it with you, thick and thin. When things were hard, when everybody went against you, they stuck with you. When you were struggling, they were there for you. They are a true friend. They're not fickle. They're not erratic. They're true. Paul wants us to suspend our time. He says, think about whatever is true, whatever is noble. He says, think about what's true. Paul wants us to spend our time thinking about things that are accurate, thinking about things that are genuine, thinking about things that are reliable. That's what he's talking about. Accurate, genuine, reliable. Is the wall true? Is this a true friend? Is something true or false? He says, think about these things. These are the things we need to focus our attention on and it will help us overcome. It will bring the peace of God into our lives. It will transform us. And honestly, here's the biggest reason he's saying this. Here's the foundation of why Paul is saying this. If you and I can live this way, other people will recognize it and want to be in our lives and be drawn into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why he's saying it. Not so you can just have peace in your life. Not so you can just overcome anxiety. Those are all byproducts. Those are all happen. Okay? it, It will. That will transpire. But what Paul is saying is if you live your life this way, if you are a true friend... If you're living your life in truth instead of being false and half-truths and half-lies and trying to get your way, 
then people will be drawn into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul says, think about things that are accurate. Think, think about things that are reliable. Think about things that are genuine. Instead, many professing believers, I, honestly, they are comfortable. Professing believers in Jesus Christ are comfortable living in a crooked house, staring out a window where the landscape is constantly moving. And I don't understand it. I do understand it. I just don't like it. We conform. We're conforming. The church is not, I'm not saying Grace Chapel, but churches are conforming now because the most important thing is to get as many people as possible and the ends justify the means. So I'm going to twist. I'm going to kind of go along to get along because, you know, I just want people to continue to, I want you all to stay here. I honestly, before God, love you, want you to stay here. But if the cost of you staying here is me compromising the word of God, even the slightest bit, I won't do it. I won't do it. Point out where I'm saying something that's not true. I'll change my perspective. You biblically show me what's not true. But I will not do it. I just quit. It's not that numbers are not as important to me as the word of God. Is the word of God true? If the word of God is true, I'm not going to compromise my convictions for, for anything. And that's what we should, we should all feel that way. We should all think that way. But so many Christians, again, are, are comfortable living in a crooked house where the wall is not true and staring out a window at a landscape that is constantly moving and somehow they become comfortable. I don't even want to use the word comfortable with that. I find it fascinating. I find it absolutely fascinating. And that's not the best word, but how Christians are confused by the most basic biblical truths. God's view of life when life begins. That's not debatable. Be, how, we ha how we behave sexually, our identity, justice, what God's view of justice is, love, the concept of love, the truth of what love is, God defines love. We're confused by this now. The church is confused by these things. And the reason we're confused is we don't know this. When you don't know the word of God, then Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and all your friends and all your relatives and all the people that you read and the books that you're listening, all, it all tells you something different and it's all meshed up in your mind and you're kind of a quasi-Christian with, yeah, I believe this. You believe the things that are comfortable to believe, but as soon as someone comes in and puts a little pressure on you, you fold like a deck of cards and that's not, that can't happen. I'm not trying to be mean, guys. I'm just trying to be honest. This is our truth. This is God's truth. We must not be moved. And if you're moved, you better have a good reason to be moved, and it better be based upon the word of God. I hear Christians all the time quoting cultural slogans and politically correct phrases to back up their social views, what they believe about social issues. You know what I don't hear a lot of? Christians using the word of God to back up what they believe about a social issue. Why? That, all that other stuff, that's meaningless gibberish. It's muddle-headed, irrational, whatever you want to call it. This is the foundation of our, what should be our thought process. Nothing else. 
We should not be confused by some of the things we're confused by. But in order to focus our minds, we need to reflect in our thoughts the very nature of God. God needs to be the focal point of our thought process. God needs to be in our presence at all times. But our minds, but our, we can't get our minds focused unless we do three things. There's three things that we have to do in order to accomplish this. Three things that are paramount. Three things that are so important. Three things that you have to know. And I'll tell you what they are next week. All right. Let's... <laughs> Let's, let's bow our heads. God, thank you so much for this amazing day you've given to us. And Lord God, I pray, and I sincerely pray, dear God, that my approach uh, does not hinder people from hearing your truth. Lord God, I just believe that you are who you say you are. I believe with every ounce in me, everything in my being, that your word is true. And Lord God, I know your heart breaks when we as your people call themselves your followers are not following your voice. A sheep knows the shepherd's voice and follows its shepherd. We should have no other voices that lead us in a different direction. A sheep knows the shepherd's voice and follows its shepherd. You are our shepherd. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. You are our God. You are our master, and we follow only you. We bow our knee only to you. No compromise. Only you. And we pray, dear God, that you give us the strength to live that out in every area of our lives. Conviction standing upon the word of God and nothing shall move us because of your loving Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives in us and gives us the power to overcome whatever the world can throw at us. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things that you give us the strength. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.